Hey, this is the podcast for Word of Life in Bentonville, Arkansas. Today, Pastor Jeff is talking about taking refuge in God. I hope today you are blessed by this message and you grow in your relationship with God as a result. Enjoy! It's good to just be with you all and with you all online to just talk to you about Jesus. You know, he's the main thing. This is great. The worship is fantastic. The instruments, the, the music, the lights, the everything is fantastic, but it's not the main thing. Jesus is the main thing. He's the reason we get up. He's the reason we come to church. He's the reason we go throughout our week. He's the reason for everything. He's the main thing. Everybody say the main thing. Chat. Put that in the chat. Jesus is the main thing. If you're on YouTube or Facebook, there's a neat feature, the chat feature there. Let's, let's utilize that some today. Can we do that? Jesus is the main thing. So one of the things that I tend to do throughout the week, the weeks, is um, I, I tend to write messages. Um, coming from having done a church plant in Miami, Oklahoma, as I got into a habit of writing sermons and messages, and I enjoy that. And so I haven't stopped doing that since I've been back here at Word of Life. And I tell Pastor Bill, uh, this isn't this isn't to prop me up. It's to kind of set the stage for today. I tell Pastor Bill, call on me anytime, uh, right after worship, the night before, Sunday morning, whenever, and and I will have a word. I'll, I'll be ready to to preach. And uh, it, you know, it always feels good to know I've got something in the hopper, so to speak. And so, Pastor Bill called me or messaged me last night and said, "Hey, would you share something this morning?" I was like, "Sure, I can I can do that." Um, and so I began to think, okay, I've got this one in there. I could do this. I could do that. I could do that. I've got this one going on. And so I thought, well, I'll just come in and I'll, I'll go through all the messages that I've got written and I'll pick one or let the Holy Spirit pick one. And I'll share with you all here, those of you online, what, what God's been talking to me about. And he said, well, get your pen out. We'll give you something different. So we get a fresh word this morning. And it is fresh from this morning, not last week, not two weeks ago, not last night. It's fresh from this morning. And it's kind of funny how he works because I always wanted to have a message when I was preaching in Miami. I always wanted to have a message, you know, prepared a few days in advance, a few weeks in advance. And I think Pastor Bill, my dad can even attest to this. He just doesn't seem to speak to me a few days ahead of time. He likes to wait till the last minute. So uh, it works out well that uh, Pastor Bill didn't ask me on Thursday or Tuesday of last week because I don't think God would have given me a message until uh, this morning. So here we are. And I want to just simply talk about taking refuge in the Lord. You know, we tend to, and I say we, there's there's those that that tend to take refuge in so many things. When, When the times get tough, they turn to food. Right? They might turn to uh, other things, alcohol. They might turn to relationships, good and bad. There are so many things that we can turn to, but 
God is saying, take refuge in me. The nice thing about that is he is the safest place to be. He is the safest place, the best one to go to. He knows us inside and out. He knows where we hurt when we don't even know where we hurt. And he can address that. And he can help us and he can heal us and he can mend us and he can uh, bring joy and security and hope for the future where no one else, nothing else can do that. Because, see, God operates in this thing called the eternal. And there's nothing in this world that operates in the eternal, only in the temporal. And so when we turn to food, it might make us feel good. That's if you haven't figured out, that's my my vice. <clears throat> if if it if there's nothing if food it just helps us right here right now does it really? But boy, he tends to minister to us in a way that takes us beyond the here and now. He ministers to us in a way that 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 touches us in such a profound eternal way. Oh, what a powerful place! So I want to talk to you for just a brief few minutes this morning about taking refuge. And I just want to give us three steps to taking refuge in God. Just three. There's probably 20 of them. Could probably preach preach an eight-week series on this. And I'm going to preach a one message today and just spend a few minutes with you. If you'll just allow me the time and spend a few minutes with me and interact with me online, interact with me in the room, and let's just talk about taking refuge in God. One of the things I love about him, we can see in Psalm 1830. Don't have a lot of these on the screen. I probably should have put this one up there, but I didn't. Is this Psalm 1830 says this God. Just stop right there. This God. There's something definite about that phrase. This God. You see, in our lives, in our world that we're working in and we're living in, is we have such a, a, a tendency to draw on so many gods. So many, I will say, opportunities, all opportunities are not equal. All opportunities aren't necessarily the right opportunities, but there are opportunities out there. There are circumstances, there are things, there are gods that we could tend to turn to. But I want us to be very careful that when we look, we look to the, the right, the big G, God, this God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord. Oh, how many of us need a word from God today? It proves true. His shield, his protection, his security and safety for all those who take refuge in him. You see, taking refuge in him is the perfect and safest way. The only way, I should say. And I say the only way. We've got so many awful ways, but his way is perfect, but it's this God. So this morning, as I look at three steps to taking refuge in God, I'm going to highlight just a, a few things through three chapters in John. We're going to go through three full chapters. No, three. I'm going to highlight some stories through John 13, John 14, and John 15. And in this discourse through John, we see the, the, the steps that Jesus is taking as he's leading up to his 
um, crucifixion. And he, he goes through a, a multitude of opportunities to teach people, to teach disciples, and to pray over disciples, and ultimately pray over you and I in John 17, which I won't have time this morning to get to. But when you get home today, and those of you online, when we turn off the live stream, open up John 17 and read the true heart of Jesus for you and I, and what he wants for us as we operate together. But looking together, this John 13, 14, and 15, the series of teachings of Jesus that really gives us His heart and what He wants to do for you and I. Now, I want to help you out before I even get to any point, And I want to take some pressure off of you this morning. Most of the work that He wants to do for you and I, in you and I, it's His work, not your work. It's not your responsibility other than to surrender completely. You don't have to cut on yourself and be your own surgeon. You don't have to work out anything except your own surrender to what He wants to do in your life. The responsibility is not yours. Take the weight off of your shoulder. I can remember Pastor Bill many, many times, and he and I even had a, a brief conversation about it this morning. But he has this gesture that he may not even know he does very often, but I've seen him do this many times. He will do this, sitting in, in his office, and, and we would gather around, and we'd start to complain uh, uh, Pastor Tim's not included in this. This is before I even left for Miami, but a couple of us would get in there and we'd start to talk about things and he would just sit back and he'd go. Do you know what I'm talking about? Some things are just not worth it. You see, being good enough, being righteous, walking the right path, knowing God's will for your life, is not your responsibility other than to surrender to. He makes a way when there seems to be no way. He orchestrates the plan. He does the work. He makes you right. He provides the grace to accomplish the things that He wants for you to accomplish. He writes the narrative. He writes the story. He has the plan. It's His destiny for your life. Do you catch what I'm saying today? So let me get into the points, shall I? Point number one in taking refuge in Him. The first step is allow Him to meet you where you are. Don't get right and then hope He'll meet you. Don't well at the altar and, and, and cry to your ugly and snotty in hopes that you repented enough so that He will come in and rescue you. Let Him rescue you and then cut away and deal with what you think is separating you from the love of God. I believe in Romans 8, it says, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God. No height, no depth, no principalities, no, no evil. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So allow Him 
to meet you where you are. And I would say this, allow him to meet you in your sin. So let's look at John chapter 13. John chapter 13. Here's the precedent for that. In verse 1, John chapter 13, verse 1, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Say, to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into them the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, he rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do not wash my feet. Hmm. Jesus answered him, what am I doing or what I'm doing, you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. And Peter said to him, you shall never, ooh, harsh words, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. You see, what's happened here is Jesus came in to do a work that only he could do. And Simon didn't understand that it was the cleansing power of Jesus initially. And Jesus had to set the record straight. There's no amount of repenting that you can do to make yourself worthy to receive what Jesus has for you. But everything that he has for you only comes by the cleansing and washing the regeneration that he has for you. And it comes only from him. You can't repent enough. You can't be good enough. You can't make things right enough on your own. And when you say, I am going to do this first, you will never, ever get there. You cannot get to heaven on your own. You can't get to righteousness on your own. It is only the work that Jesus Christ does in you that makes all of these, these things possible. You cannot share in the inheritance that God has for you through Jesus Christ unless you surrender to the work that only he can do. So I say to you, let him meet you in your sin and let him wash you. Did you catch that? And then watch the work begin to happen. You see, when he begins to wash you, you all of a sudden don't need those things that you thought you needed. You no longer participate in those things that you normally would have participated in. You no longer partake of the things that you would have partaken with. Not because of a, an issue where you get control of your faculties. Not because you're able to get control of discipline. It's because they no longer haunt you. They no longer control you because the power of the Holy Ghost that operates within you through the cleansing and regeneration of Jesus Christ is the ones that begin to take control and, can, and, and work within you. Such a powerful thing. You see, we've got to get the place to where this, he meets you where you are. And what's really interesting is today when he meets me here 
and he works in me here. Tomorrow he meets me in a completely different place. And I'm more and more like him tomorrow than I was yesterday. And I'm more and more like him tomorrow than I was yesterday. And I'm more and more like him tomorrow than I was yesterday. And it's a process. But it's his work, not yours. So let it go. Amen? Amen. Let me say it this way. Don't take away from God which was intended for Him to do. When you do the work yourself, you're saying, God, I'm better than you. And He's saying, no, I'm better. It'll be a better process. Just let me do it. Amen? It, it, it actually makes me think of, of a story that we might be familiar with out of Genesis chapter 33. And I'm just going to, I don't have, have it written down in my, well, I have it written down. I just don't have it printed out. Genesis chapter 33, check this out real quick. This is the story where Moses is, is saying, hey, I've got to see your glory. I have to see your glory. And in the last part of this, watch this work. And, and this isn't necessarily dealing with him cleansing us, but it does have to do with him revealing how he works and the responsibility that he takes on. It's not Genesis 33. What? It's Exodus. I wrote it down wrong. Thank you, Dad. I'm going to take him with me wherever I go. Oh, wait a minute, I do. Have you seen me lately? I shaved my beard off once in the shower. Don't think too much on this. And I stepped out and looked in the mirror. I was like, whoa, Dad, why are you in here? I grew the beard back really quick. Anyway. And the last part, sorry, sorry about that. Um, could be worse. Back notes, notes. Oh, wait, this isn't in my notes. Genesis 33. We'll get this. We'll get this squared away. The latter part of this, this is Modus, M- Moses. He's, he's with God. And, and, and God says, you cannot see my face. This is verse 20. For man shall not see me alive. And the Lord said, behold, there's a place. Uh, by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, listen to this, I will put you. When my glory passes by, doesn't say now, God didn't say now you go into. He says, I will put you in a cleft in the rock. I will cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I will take away. Do you realize how much Work that is his responsibility in revealing who he is in us, through us, for us, by us, and to complete that in us. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Don't take away from him, which is his responsibility to do, by thinking that you're important enough, powerful enough to make yourself right. Amen? Amen. Point number two. Point number one was allow him to meet you where you are. Point number two ask anything. Wow, this isn't rocket science, is it? You want to abide or take refuge in Him? Ask anything. I should say this at any time, in any occasion, with any kind of faith that you can muster up, whether there's doubt involved or not. Moving over a chapter, John 14, Jesus, this is verse 6, says to Him, I am the way. This is in response to Philip. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, everybody say no one. No one comes to the Father except through who? Him, through Jesus. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, 
you do not know him and have seen him. Or back up, you now, from now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. But Jesus said to him, Have I been with you for so long, and you still do not know him or know me? Philip, question mark, Philip, Philip, Philip. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and I love this, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything, or if, if you ask yeah, anything in my name, I will do it. Here's the key. Are you ready? Are you ready? Just ask. You realize that so many things don't happen in our lives because we simply didn't ask? So many miracles we didn't experience because we didn't ask? So much provision in our life never happened because we simply didn't ask? Now, are you saying that God is withholding provision, withholding healing, withholding miracles from us because we didn't ask? What I'm saying is he is waiting to pour out so much, so many riches, so many blessings in our lives. And all he wants to do is hear us. That's it. Hear us. You see, one thing I've discovered about how God works, and this is hard sometimes for us as human beings to wrap our brains around, but it's just how he tends to work. And we can't try to explain it because our, we can't put it in the framework of mankind because we are flawed, but he is perfect. But it seems to me everywhere I've read in Scripture, everything he does is for His glory. Now, did you catch what I just said? He works for His glory. Now, He wants the best for us. He has great things for us. He wants you to prosper and be in health just as your soul prospers. He wants great things for you, but ultimately He wants all of that for you so that He can get glory. That just seems to be how I interpret Scripture. It seems to be how I interpret what I've read. When, when the disciples were being tossed to and four in the, on the sea on their way to the other side, that just seems to be why you get in a boat, right? Is to go to the other side or fish. But anyway, Jesus is up there. He watches them and, and he goes and he meets them by walking on water, right? And all of that was not to rescue them. However, that happened. It was to reveal who he was. You see, when God commands us to give the tithe, do you realize that provision is incredible through our obedience to the tithe? But when He provides for us His brilliant 
provision through our obedience and the tithe. It's not so that we can have fatter bank accounts and so that we can demonstrate to the world how obedient we are. It's so that He can show the world His glory by demonstrating through us how 90% is better than 100%. But it's His glory revealed in us. When He rescues us from cancer, do you realize it's not so that the world can point their finger at us and say, wow, they got up off their deathbed. No, it's so the world can say, the mighty King Jesus did this work. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were rescued in the fiery pit, who did Nebuchadnezzar see? Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And so when we ask him, he responds in a manner to receive glory. That's why we come into this place and we sing more of you, Jesus. More of your face. More of your Glory in this place. It's for Him. That's why He meets us in such miraculous places. And if we would get the order right, ask Him and it's about Him, then so many more things would come to fruition in our lives. Ask Him. And that's also why He says, ask me According to my name. He said right here in my name. If you would ask me anything in my name. If you would ask me anything so that I would get glory. If you would ask me anything so that I would be praised. So that I would be lifted up. So that people would see that it's I who did it. Oh, sorry I'm yelling. But I believe this is a key that we miss out. Oh God, would you just rescue me from financial ruin. Rescue me from sickness. Rescue me from come and deliver me. No, in Jesus' name, would you be glorified from the resurrection that you have for Jesus, would you be seen in my finances? Jesus, be seen in my health. Jesus, be seen in my church. Jesus, be seen in my lost loved one. Jesus, be seen. Jesus, be seen. Jesus, be seen. I ask you, Jesus, 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 be glorified. Jesus, be glorified. Jesus, Jesus, be glorified. Why don't we just take a few minutes right now and let's glorify the name of Jesus. Jesus, we lift you up. Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, we, we ask that your glory be known. In your name, we declare Jesus, 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 Jesus. Point number one, allow him to meet you where you are. Number two, ask anything. And number three, attach to the vine. You could write it this way. Remain in Jesus. Remain in Jesus. Attached to the vine. John 15, 1 through 7. Jesus is continuing on in his multiple discourses here. And he says, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may be that it may bear more fruit. Do you realize that he's doing the work here still? Has anything changed since the opening scripture that I read today? 
He is doing the work. Verse 3, already you are clean because the word uh, that I've spoken to you. This is pointing back to that psalm that I opened this with. The work that I do, verse 4, abide in me and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. So we've got this progression here. I am the vine, my father is the vine dresser. I am the vine, you are the branches. There's a connectivity that's taking place here. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is, it is he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Oh, wait a minute. I can do nothing apart from him. So why do we keep trying? You see the theme again? Whose responsibility is it? Now, now I, I left that pretty broad. Whose responsibility is it all? Hmm. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it, Scripture says. He does the work. Huh. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. The branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, I'm going to mess some, some brains up a little bit this morning as I wrap this up, if I may. Check this out. Let's back up to verse 2. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit Look at this. He takes away. Uh, I'm not a Bible scholar in that I'm not like Dr. Jeff Dixon. I, I don't have a seminary degree, but what I do have is the ability to research, to look at original words, to uh, listen. And, and I want to show you something. This word uh, for he takes away is actually one word in the original language and it's A-I-R-O. And I, I think that's Aro. And no, it's not Aaron, it's Aro, right? And this word, listen to this, is to take up, elevate, and lift up. Well, wait a minute. The 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 translation that we read in most every Bible in this room. If not, every Bible in this room says something about he takes away. But when we look at this, the definition is to raise up, elevate, lift up. To raise from the ground, take it up. To raise upwards, elevate, lift up. To draw up. There, there's a, a, a translation out there that I really like because I believe from my research translates this more accurately. And this is from the Passion Translation. It says... I am the true sprouting vine, and the farmer who tends the vine is my father. He cares for the branches connected to me by... Now, your translation says takes away, right? Listen to this. By lifting and propping up the fruitless branch. You see, the previous translation that I read seems to put a little responsibility on me to get it right. 
But what I'm reading here says it's his responsibility. I've got to be grafted in. I've got to be surrendered to that vine. But you see, when I've messed up, when I'm bound up by sin, when I feel the least connected to God, generally my tendency is to, be, uh, to, to withdraw and be even further away, to, to draw even further away to my connectivity to God. It seems like there's this cycle that says the more I sin, the less I want to spend time with God or the less I feel worthy to spend time with God. But wouldn't you think that it's the times that I'm struggling to be right with God that he would say or that he would have this tendency to draw in even tighter towards and try to pull me in and be more nurturing? Don't you think it's those times that I need him most in my life? And according to this, it's those times that I'm not producing the fruit that is of righteousness, that I'm not producing the fruit that is uh, intended to be produced in my life, that he wouldn't kick me to the curb, but he would take, the, take me up and pull me up off of the ground and begin to mend what has caused the separation, begin to take that, that twine or that... that uh, Oh, that tape. I think of that, that um, you know what I'm talking about. The, the, help me out here, somebody. Anyway, he would, he would fix me. You see, he's not in the business of kicking us away. He's in the business of mending us so that we produce better fruit. Now, if I choose to refuse, later on, the scripture says he does remove us completely. That's where the surrender comes in. But early on in this scripture, he's saying very clearly, I will lift you up. I will prop you up. I will help you. You see, today, now, now is the time to draw near. Now is the time for his work. Now is the time to be his. Wasn't that a great episode? If today's message touched you in any way, if you were encouraged and want to hear more of this, please make sure to click the subscribe button now. Also, share this message to your social platforms. While you're at it, go over to our website, wlfar.com, and help us continue our message by praying about giving financially to what God is doing in Northwest Arkansas. Click on the Give button today. We'll catch you next time on our podcast. God bless.